You're listening to the Faith and Other Oddities podcast, brought to you by the Raven Creek Social Club, where we talk about faith and other oddities. For questions, comments, or to be part of the conversation, join us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can find us at Raven Creek SC. Now for your hosts, Emily Dixon and Nathan Underwood. So we're back to confirm. Many of you may have suspected, but we did survive the holiday season. Um, this is the first show that we're recording after Christmas. Post-Christmas. Uh, Post-Christmas. For us, it's uh, just a few days after New Year. So Happy New Year, everyone. 2019 is among, upon us. Upon Is it upon us? Yeah. Yeah, we're it works. In it. We're in it. Uh, <laughs> Whether we want to be or not. Um, you know, I'm, I'm fine with it. I mean... Not that I have a choice. I was, you know, if I was thinking about that the other day, um, when I was in grade school, how far away the year 2000 seemed. And now oh, yeah. we're just like zoomed, like right by it. So, well, I, well, yeah. And if you think about, um, you know, I listened to a, another podcast called Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men. And they're, they're covering all like the days of future past stuff and the age of apocalypse things. And it's... um all these alternate futures that are set in like 2015, 2013. And you're just like, mm, well, that didn't turn out quite the way Claremont envisioned it. Um, as many of you may have guessed. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah. I'm so, still waiting for my food replicator. Uh, well, that, yeah, that, well, that's Star Trek. We're still a little ways out on that. I mean, cause I mean, you figure when uh, next generation or when the original series was set, it, it was uh, what? 22nd century. 20. Oh, you got me. You're 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 better with the dates and the timelines and all of that. And that's sad because I'm terrible with it. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's a little more future than than the X Men future stuff was set. And so, yeah, it's it it is funny seeing how how the world has progressed and and uh, you and I were talking. I was I was talking to you about this because one of the episodes that I was listening to of Jay and Miles explain the X Men. It's a fun podcast. So there's you know if you're into X Men, it's it's cool. We'll warn you, there is some profanity, um, you know, don't listen to it with the kids. But if you want a good overview of what's been going on with the series since its inception, basically, they cover a whole lot of stuff. And, uh, you know, for information's sake, it's fantastic and it's entertaining. Um, but, you know, they were talking about how one of the plots that went on could have been solved with like a text message or a message board. Excuse me. and. And you and I were talking about how it's funny. You, you're talking about how you hated dystopian future things. I hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Hate and, it. And, and I don't hate the genre in and of itself, but I think it's been kind of overplayed. Well, that's um, the reason why I hate it. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like, like how a lot of Marvel and X-Men fans don't like Wolverine because he's been in everything. Um, <laughs> so. Um, but he's cool. <laughs> he is cool. Um, but. Yeah, and I was talking about how, you know, that just, I think that's kind of a sign of, like, how good in America we have it, um, technologically speaking, because we basically, in order to have compelling fiction, we have to destroy what we have. Yeah. To make the struggle worth it and to make the plot work. Like, we, ha we have to completely get rid of everything we have to make really good, compelling fiction. Either that or your characters just have to be stupid. Which, which is another complaint <laughs> that I have because we do, sorry, how long are we on this? 
Um, I'm going to wrap this up real quick, but you know, there was, there was a, a romantic comedy with friends, some friends of ours recommended to us and the whole time I'm going, if they would just sit down and talk to each other, like a real married couple does. Um, but I mean, basically that's the plot point of even Jane Austen. Oh my goodness. So, I mean, <laughs> but yeah, it's like, if you would actually just have a conversation, then you wouldn't be having the troubles you're having. So, um, but that's. That's where I am with that. Um, that Which that's my rant. Leads us to you know the fact that people don't actually communicate with the Bible or allow the Bible to communicate with them. That's fair. So, and it, it's a lost art, and this is the reason why we have so many people who take a couple of pieces out of the Bible and weave an entire theology around it or an anti-theology, <laughs> depending on which way you want to go. Sure. And the, we wind up with these crazy misrepresentations, not only of the Bible but also of God. And that kind of leads us to today's topic. Yeah. So when we started, we were talking about what we wanted to cover, and we thought, well, let's just kind of do a quick hop and skip through the Bible and bring up some interesting points, some interesting stories, and things that we don't typically, you know, get covered. Sorry, I'm struggling with my mic stand here. Um, it, it's like wilting. Yeah, it's like <laughs> keeps wanting to like keep slipping. And so anyway, uh, but yeah, so we, we, uh, today we, we do have a dis quick disclaimer. <laughs> um, we will be covering the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. We don't want to, because we know it's going to make us no friends. Um, pretty much, pretty much. And, but we're going to get there later on. And like, I so just want to put that disclaimer out there. We've got some stuff to cover before we get there. And we feel like this, the other stuff we're going to cover is important. So we don't want to skip it. So, um, you know, we'll put in the time, we'll put in the show notes, like when we get to Sodom and Gomorrah, if anyone wants to just skip to that. Um, but I don't I do, know. I think I do have think, to listen all the way up. I, I, well, I think it would be good for them to listen to all, listen to all of it. But I mean, the information's good. But if, if you're here to really, if you're really here to just learn, by all means, listen to all of it. But if you're here to just hear that, you know, we might as well make it easy for you. You're so much nicer than I am. Yeah. Depends on the day. So y'all lucked out. So anyway, um, so last we left Abraham, he was convalescing from uh, his ritual practices, circumcision. Yep, yep. So he he's trying to um, trying to heal up. Yep, and As, along with the rest of his camp. Yes, and. During this time, we don't know um, how far after, and it's kind of interesting to me that, that a lot of people don't realize there's not a lot of time presented in Genesis. We don't have like, oh, it was so many days uh, in most stories, or it was how many months or so many years. It just, you go from one event to the next, and you just, there's this assumption that the reader knows that time has passed. So we have no clue when the next account really kind of takes place. Sure. So, um, so what do we have after that? So we have Abraham, Abraham has circumcision and then, and then we've got these three dudes show up at Abraham's tent. Okay. And, um, Abraham, evidently he sees them somewhere, you know, in the distance and he, he runs to them. And that's an important little note because men did not run in the society, uh, particularly men of any kind of uh, 
That was nice. Sorry. Uh, he's Mike his Bible. Mike stands killing me. And so uh, it, particularly any kind of uh, stature or wealth or importance, they, they just did not run. And you, it makes you wonder what was it that he, he noticed? Did he notice something unusual about them even at that distance? I'll tell you one thing that's important about that. To let you know that at least three, four, maybe five months have passed since <laughs> since we last picked up. This is why you need the male perspective sometimes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, actually, um, I'm about to say some terrible words. Um, I actually I worked with a guy who um, I'm not going to name him, but he was he was limping around pretty bad, and apparently he w- had to have an emergency circumcision. And this guy, like in his his mid twenties. And so, you know, he was, he said it was the worst experience of his entire life. Um, I'm so so glad I just have to take his word for that. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, it's like those two words should never go together. Mm -mm. Emergency. So I'm not even a guy and that still makes me cringe and I'm not for sure exactly what I'm cringing when I cringe, but it's happening. So, yeah. So anyway, uh, that aside, um, but yeah, so he's, he's definitely recovered if he's running. Yeah, and and he's reco- uh, recovering. He's running with a purpose. He's trying to get to them with the, the idea that he's going to show them hospitality. And I didn't uh, bring this up in the, our previous conversation, but this is an important note to hang on to because we're going to be talking about a story a little later where Abraham's hospitality comes into question. And so this is important that he would go so far out of his way and put so much effort into actually taking care of these guys who, at this point, he doesn't know who they are. Right. So we do know, we find out through the conversation that we are dealing with, with angels. Uh, we're dealing with God and two angels, and they are there to reconfirm and reaffirm the, the promise to Abraham that he's going to be a blessing. He's going to be made a blessing to other nations. And at this point, it's not so much that Abraham needs to hear the story over again. But God is specifically including Sarah. It, it, it's Abraham has not gotten it before. Right. He has not figured out that Sarah is, it, Sarah's got something to do with this. As a matter of fact, this is the whole reason for them showing up. It's not to deliver the warning, warning about Sodom. It, it's not to tell Abraham, hey, this is what's going on. The main purpose is so that God can deliver this message about Sarah. Right. So, uh, now, there, there's some very interesting things here because, uh, first of all, Sarah, Sarah hears them and she's not in the room. And this is another area where we should just like be sure the show is explicit because uh, we've got the circumcision story. But then we get Sarah talking and the, the Jewish commentators have it all over Christian commentators on this because I went through and I read like, I don't know how many how many different versions of the Bible uh, that had been translated into the English. Right. And Sarah's words are always that she's worn out and is she going to know pleasure with her husband in the English? And the Hebrew is more, um, I've stopped having periods. I'm withered. I'm dried up. And can I have abundant moisture with my husband? And so she's very descriptive of the fact that she's in menopause and even the act of having sex is not even likely for her right. at this point. And so there's no niceties 
with the uh, Hebrew scripture, like a lot of times we see with the, the, the Christian, you know, oh, we can't offend Aunt Margaret or, you know, grandma's right. got it. Grandma right. knows what's going on. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, and, and I guess people probably were a little more familiar with just how the body functioned because, you know, you're living in tents, you're, you know, it, there's not as much privacy. You're also an agrarian society. You've got stock around that, you know. <laughs> well, you take you take a kid who grew up on the farm. Right. A- and they pretty much know the ins and outs of, you know, the no pun intended, um, birds and bees pretty quickly. Right. I, I actually had a friend who, uh, their eight-year-old, described to me in depth the whole process of artificial inf- insemination from the collection <laughs> to the conception. And I'm just like, wow. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's that's just, you know, if you're going to be working on breed animals or if, especially if you're doing like show animals or anything like that. And that's that, what they had. Yep. Uh, that's that's just going to be part of life. Yeah. And so it was, I, I think. That... Uh, well, so, speaking of show cows. Um, so I had a, this is actually, we're going to, we're going to make our, our vegetarian friends mad, but the, uh, I don't have many of them, but the, <laughs> I had a friend. There's a reason you don't have many of them. No, I, I'm, I, I, I was chatting with this guy, uh, one of my friends that we, I had known him like a year or two. We hadn't really talked about much where we grew up or anything. And come to find out, he lives in a small town that's next to a larger town. Like we we grew up in OK, but no one knows where that is. So we told everyone for Muskogee. So he would tell everyone that he was from the next largest town, you know, and he was like, and I lived on a small farm that really, you know, didn't uh, didn't necessarily self-sustain it was kind of more of a hobby kind of more of a hobby farm like yeah uh, and he's like we bred uh limousine herford hybrids and i'm like that's oddly specific uh-huh and that's exactly how i grew up he's a he's a librarian now so we've taken a little different career choices but at both off the farm yeah but both off the farm and uh but he he would show them and uh he said that there was actually at the shows, there was, you could actually enter your cow in two competitions. And the first one was show. And then the, the next one was the local slaughterhouse uh, would have their mobile cleaning station, mm-hmm. uh, you know, local, local slaughter station, mobile slaughter station. And they would, they would kill the cows and cut them up. And then you could <laughs> enter them in the next <laughs> phase of the competition if you wanted. Um, so, but yeah, so a lot of things that people think are really weird and or cruel or unusual, a lot of that, that's just farm life. Yeah. Well, and you know, we grew up that if you were going to, uh, eat a calf, that was one thing we wanted to know very early was, was this a food calf or was this a breeding calf? Because if they were food calves then they got names like hamburger and Mm T-bone and sirloin, uh, but they were not. They didn't get Clyde or anything like that. So right. if they got a real name, they were sticking around. If they got a food-related name, then we, we knew. And so I, that was always confusing to me that somebody could have a show animal that they worked with all the time and actually follow through. Yeah. So, yeah. They're, to me, it's, they're cows. We, you know, they're basically fruit with legs. You don't eat fruit. Well, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> I don't eat a lot of fruit, but you know, but, it's to me, but it's food. They're, but they're just speaking of eating. Food that, has to, that happens to walk around, but that's, but that's, yeah, 
things were a little more out there in the open for more agrarian societies. That's the point. Yeah. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, and it, it, they had to be. Um, just it was just a reality. And you know, but but speaking of eating, that isn't actually a, that's a good point to to look at in the story because Abraham feeds them, and I I think mm-hmm. this kind of answers some questions that people have about angels and their the nature particularly whenever they take a human form, uh, because Abraham gives them food, they eat it. The Bible's very clear that this is not some kind of, you know, magic show or deception where they pretend to eat the food, but they, they, they eat the food. So they've got, a, they've got a body. Yeah. Well, and that's actually, I mean, you're talking about uh, that, them actually eating. Um, first off, uh, I think when we were talking about this before, uh, you mentioned this is a the theophany. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the appearance of of the second person of the Trinity before the incarnation, mm-hmm. uh, which would be before the Son. Uh, we'll we'll just use that word for the second person of the Trinity before the Son. Be- it became flesh in Jesus. Right. You know, he wasn't created. Uh, at Christmas his, at isn't his, his birthday. It's not his birthday. Um, well, birthday, but not creation day. Right. Not and and the conception was not his. It, it wasn't when he was brought into it, being. Yeah, his he, being existed before the conception. Excuse me. Um, so that's so that's that. But um, you're talking about they actually ate. They were actually walking around. That's uh, Dr. Maxie Birch has a fun story because he was he was talking about different different biblical uh, uh well heresies I guess, <laughs> but just different different views that have gone on throughout the ages and one of them is docetism that's mm-hmm. your your theological term for the day which is basically means he we need like he gongs or something appeared <laughs> we need a sound <laughs> um <laughs> we need like everyone scream like peewee herman yes like, exactly <laughs> that's what i was thinking <laughs> um docetism which means to appear mm-hmm. um basically that the idea was that christ only looked like he was born and didn't actually incarnate and inhabit, inhabit human flesh. Now, the theological ramifications of that, we can get onto in a whole nother time, but the point is, um, Jesus was literally incarnated. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of funny because here we have him incarnated, pre-incarnate, but it's, it's different, and it's, yeah, have fun with that. So he didn't have to go through the birthing process to be incarnated for one. So right. that's something to think about. He could have just been like, hmm, I need a body. Yeah, this looks good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Pull one off the shelf. I don't know. Um, but, <laughs> but, but he, he was a real person. Right. And, um, and so the, and, and to me, the one that, the, and here's the verse that's to me that, that kind of seals the deal for the passage that seals the deal. And I'm going on a long tangent here. Uh, for Christ being actually incarnated. I know we're talking about Abraham and all this, but the but Christ actually being in a physical body, the what really seals it for me is his conversation with Satan in the desert. Mm-hmm. Um, because Satan knows he's not going to tempt God into sin. Right. But, you know, if we have Christ, believe that Christ was the perfect man... man the perfect individual. Well, can Satan tempt the perfect individual? Well, do we believe that Adam and Eve were sinless? So basically, you know, he's done this before. It's like, this is a trick that worked in the past with the, with the fleshy bits. Yeah. You know, so, you know, that, that's to me, that's where we, that kind of sealed it in my mind that, you know, 
because there's no way Satan's going to try to appeal to God right. to, to, to sin. But, but maybe if he's like encapsulated in flesh. But maybe if he it's... was fully human, then he might have something to work with in, 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 the, in the mind of the devil. Yeah, I, um, I'm following you. Pure but... speculation. And that's just something in my mind that's, it makes sense. Oh, that does make sense. That makes a lot of sense. And here, I think it's really interesting that, that you know, he, he, when God and the angels show up, they don't have to, they don't have to have a, a, a human form. They don't have to have these bodies. God's spoken with Abraham on times before. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't necessarily know how he accomplished that. Uh, you know, if it was just a voice or, 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 you know, the clouds parted, the Bible doesn't go real in depth, but here right. it's very specific. And I actually think this answers another New Testament question because there's a lot of flack given about um, the Genesis 6 view of the sons of God being angelic. Because mm-hmm. Jesus says in Matthew twenty two thirty, and I'm just going to read it. So for in the resurrection, they are neither married, they neither marry or are, nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels in heaven. And so this has led a lot of people to say, well, angels cannot possibly procreate with humans. Well, and just to give a quick rundown of that, just for anyone who might be tuning into this episode, um, I don't know why. Just you know, it's we're we're pretty early on. Go catch up. We'll be here. Um, but the, uh, uh, you know, just the, the you know in Genesis six, the the sons of God, um, which is interpreted as an angelic being uh, in most other places, or that's how you would understand the phrase "sons of God" in most places in the Old Testament. Uh, you know procreated with human women and that's where you get the nephilim uh which were the giants of the day um so a lot of people want to explain the supernatural element of that away and again i think we've mentioned this before the bible's weird enough why stop there yeah it's just a really weird place to draw a line in the sand uh we we've got a god who's going to become incarnate he's going to die and then he's going to resurrect himself and then ascend back to heaven that's okay that's right. not too weird but the idea that angels might be able to have sex with human beings, that's weird. And so here in this passage, Jesus says that, you know, in the resurrection, human beings uh, were not going to be like the angels in heaven. So he puts that, that qualifier on there. Why, is, why does he feel it necessary to, why not, why not just, you're not going to be like angels? Right. Why is it specifically in heaven? And I think this kind of answers the question too, because angels on earth operate by a different set of rules. Wasn't wasn't there? A, you didn't say there was a passage from Paul where he mentioned something about angels leaving their heavenly bodies or something, or or I can't remember. Or was that it, some t- second temple thing? No, there's I, there's a part in it's Paul all convoluted. It, that that talks about um, we're going. Yeah, he left their who left their natural station. Uh, is it in Paul or is it Jude? Uh, it's it's the Ocaterion. Uh, it, it's that glorified body that. Um, but and that's that's the same word. What didn't you say that was like the same word leaving the leaving the heavenly bodies was the same word used to describe our glorified bodies later. So, so there's that. Um, there's that view of it, and then then it also um, the question specifically in the you know that the. Pharisee asked Jesus was no Sadducee because they didn't believe this. It's about the resurrection, right? Sadducee asked because um, the Sadducees Pharisees believed in the resurrection, Sadducees didn't, right. and that's why they were sad. You see, no, you you have stop to. it, <laughs> stop it. Um, 
<laughs> I thought we were friends. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> but he was talking specifically about the resurrection and who, according to the law, was going to be the uh, of these what seven, eight men. Right, who seven. was seven men? Who was going to be the husband of the wife in the resurrection? You know, and Jesus says, "Well, you're going to be like the angels in heaven. You're not going to be given or taken in marriage. Marriage. So, you know, at at you know, when we were, and we talked about this before, marriage, marriage and procreation are not synonymous. Mm-hmm. And anyone who really wants to, you know, procreate, isn't going to let marriage stop them. Um, and you know, so, you know, the, the, and then, you know, then you have the other side, then there's the married couples. Well, let's not get into that, but there's, <laughs> but you know, he's talking about marriage. He's not necessarily talking about, um, anatomy. Right. Well, and you know, we, we, we've got to quit conflating and making sex and marriage synonymous. That has led us into a lot of problems in the Christian culture. Uh, yeah. And well, so- and, it, and we could, I mean, we will we, probably have to have a whole show on the euphemistic, uh, attitude of the church and how we don't want to talk about anything forthrightly and how for years, you know, that's bled in, into culture to the point where, you know, for so long, uh, we were basically forced into television, uh, to use making love as the synonym for sex or, you know, things like that. So now we're having to combat and correct me like, well, no, we didn't actually mean to conflate those things. And we're blaming everyone else on it, but really it's our own prudish nature that got us there. So Yeah, well, you're right. And, and this, is, this has caused a lot of problems. I, I will have to look it up later because about the... About leaving the heavenly bodies. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I remember you mentioned it once on the phone and when I was, I was working, so I, did, I couldn't like I, it's, look it up. I think right it's in then. there somewhere, but I, like I said, would have well, um, more time than we probably want to spend yeah, on that Yeah, and today. we'll put it on the show notes. Yeah, so, I, cause it's in, but it's interesting because I think we need to, to realize that these do have a physical body. And this is important because now we're going to, you know, as they head into Sodom, um, let, I don't want to skip over the part with Abraham arguing with God, uh, but as they head into Sodom, the angels are, the men of the town want to attack them. Mm-hmm. So evidently they had bodies not only that were capable of eating food, but they have bodies that the, the men feel can be raped and they can be attacked and that there's not, the the men didn't see any kind of way to prohibit that or, or right. so nothing that would keep them from doing that. So so there unless it was like a dogma moment. <laughs> right. So another great theological film. Yeah. So if if you know that film, you you'll know what I'm talking about. So uh don't watch it with the kids. But uh most of y'all probably won't we want to watch it anyway. But anyway But Alan Rickman was so good in that. You got, yeah, yeah he really was. Um uh, so Anyway, uh, warped senses of humor. We got him. So, um, so, and God has a sense of humor too. And, you know, Kevin Smith puts this at the front of the movie. If you don't think God has a sense of humor, look at the platypus. Um, look at a naked human being. That's funny. Well, uh, anyhow, depending on what, you know, I don't, we're not now don't, don't say we told you to go look at (laughs) naked human beings. Look at yourself in the mirror. (laughs) I mean, it's far enough. (laughs) Yes. Observe scientifically. <laughs> Moving on. Uh. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, moving on. So we have a microphone, so you don't have to shout. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to shout. Okay, <laughs> sorry. It has been Just clipped there. This is a crazy long, long week. So anyway, but we're here. We're recording. So 
God makes this really weird statement of, should I tell Abraham what I'm up to? It, it, it's kind of like, eh, maybe it'd be a good idea to tell this guy. And it, it seems so out of place. Well, you know, it's kind of funny because, you know, we're, we're, we're very Southern, very, let me say, I say very Southern. We, we're pretty Southern. We're Okies. And, and we're also, you know, semi-Irish. But it's that, that whole deal. You can't go to someone's house and just talk to them about what you showed up to talk to them about. You have to, you know, you, you have to meander for a bit. And, and when they're standing at the door, you got to talk 15 more minutes just to make sure they actually want to leave. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. And then, yeah, then on the way out, they're like, uh, so, yeah, hey, uh, y'all ready to go? We've got to go. You know, we got a city to destroy. What? <laughs> yeah. That, that last it, bit. Um, it's <laughs> not like the other. Uh, anyway, these ahead. things are sorry sesame street moment <laughs> only we can go from dogma to sesame street so anyhow uh depends on the day depends on the day so go ahead but no this is our first hint that we get that abraham is a prophet because it, when we read down through there verse uh, 19 it says for i have singled him out that he may instruct the children in his prosperity to keep the way of the lord uh, by doing what is just and right, in order that the Lord may bring about for Abraham what He has promised him. So it's this, it's this idea that God will reveal His plans to His prophets. Mm -hmm. Now, at this point, we don't have any prophets mentioned. A prophet has not been named. Uh, the, the role has not been assigned to anyone in the Scripture yet. This is something that is completely brand new. And the idea that God would reveal His intentions, any God would reveal his intentions to a human is just kind of mind-blowing. So there, there's purpose behind this. Right. And, and that's when Abraham, you know, bargains with God. You know, there's so many people, and he keeps going down, you know, I think it starts with 100 and then 50, and it keeps, it gets down to 10. Mm -hmm. and, and because of this, the rabbis believe that there have to be at least 10 righteous people within a community to have any effect on the status and nature of the community. Like that's the least effective, the least number you can have to be still be effective. That's interesting, isn't it? I I had never read that before. Well, okay, so there, we've got that, but then later on we have Jesus saying, "Well, if two or more are gathered, we have Jesus then showing himself to be more powerful than." Uh, well, is that an effect for the community, or is that showing up for the two that are praying? Is that going to carry out beyond the two? I mean, that's kind of where my question would be. Yeah, no, I, I that's definitely a good question. So we can look into that at some point. Um, sorry, just yeah, because it was just a it was just an observation, like yeah, because yeah. yeah, that's that's what we do here. Yeah. We observe. We may not have any answers, but we can tell you what the questions are. <laughs> so. We can point out curious curiosities, curiosities. That one. Yeah. So. Uh, Abraham and God are talking, but he also, when they conclude this, God goes down to Sodom to see. So we're kind of, we're moving into Sodom now. Uh, well, we aren't moving into Sodom, but we're going to talk about the Sodom story. So <laughs> Pack your things. <laughs> um, and go the other direction. Um, yep. So God goes down to see what's going on. And there's this idea that God actually need to go see what was happening. And you know, the, that's kind of weird that the Bible would record that God goes to Sodom to investigate. 
But there's the get remember in the in the law, which is going to be written later mm-hmm. in a court, you have to have two witnesses to testify and say that something is true. And how many angels come with him? He's got the two. Yeah. And so the two angels show up so that they can testify as to the behavior and the things that are going on in Sodom. And so this is to rem- uh, the rabbi said this was to teach people not to make a judgment without having actually investigated. If God's going to take time to investigate and confirm, then we as humans can't do less. We right. have to do at least that much or, or we're wrong. Yeah. So, so anyway, um, now before we get too far into what actually happens once we get there. So I, I did have some, a couple of questions. So last time we saw Lot, he had been captured. Mm-hmm. And then Abraham rallied him 318 men mm-hmm. uh, to go and, and fight. And freed Lot. So now the next time we see Lot, he's in the city. Well, there's the, the parting of the ways first. The part, okay. Because the, the, the land would not support them. Right. So the, the herdsmen were fighting and Lot went towards Sodom. Abraham went the other way. Now, I thought the, I thought the, the Lot being captured was after that. After the parting of ways. Uh, yes, yes, you're That's, right. You were yes. correct. You were correct. So yeah, so the next time we see... Enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. So the next time uh, we see Lot, he's in the city. And so, as we covered before, what are cities for? Because um, we did we did mention that in a previous episode mm-hmm. about uh, uh, Cain. Yes. Uh, you know he didn't have land. If you don't have you don't have land. You go to the city. So now we have basically God. After he tells Abraham, "Those who bless you, I will bless, and those who curse you, I will curse," and then they you know they get in a fight. Lot leaves and he loses all his stuff. Now we find him in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something to to look at there. So. Yeah, because he he I mean, he now he is living in the city, and the the thing is, uh, he did he did lose something. I just I totally lost my train of thought. He did lose everything. He's living in the city, and you have to ask what did you know? How bad was the devastation to his personal wealth? Mm-hmm. And, oh, that was what I was going to bring up. Before this, he is actually kind of in, considered to be in line to r- inherit from Abraham. Right. And so there's still that, that, that kind of thread that maybe... Maybe I can get some wealth back from Abraham, Abraham mm-hmm. after he dies. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, but at the same time, after, after the Sodom event, that's off the table. It, it never reappears. It's never even mentioned. A lot kind of disappears from the text. And so... Uh, it's very interesting that this really is about uh, Lot's personal downfall, even more than what's going on with Sodom. Mm-hmm. And that gets lost because we get so caught up in, you know, the fireworks of it all. Right. And so we, we get focused on the wrong things and we, we miss the, the main point of the story. So, yeah. So those, yeah, those are some interesting observations. So go ahead with the, let's carry on with the narrative, I guess. Okay. So basically the two guys enter the city. They're, they're going to sleep in uh, the two angels. They're going to sleep in the courtyard. Lot has enough of his uncle's influence that he is still, he still tries to pre- present hospitality. He, mm-hmm. he invites the guys back to his house. They're like, no, it's no big deal. They aren't scared of the men in the town. They, they show no fear. And he keeps pushing and pushing for them to come back with him, which they eventually do. And 
this is probably the, excuse me, this is probably the part in the story that bothers most people is because the town people come to the door and they're beating on the door and they're saying, send out the two men so that we can rape them. And Lot Mm -hmm. says, I've got two daughters, two virgin daughters, and you can have them. And the, the men in the city say, hey, we don't want them. We want the men. And I've heard so many women who this has bothered them. And I, I get it. I mean, this is not a good story. This is not a happy or pretty story. I don't care who you are. This is, this is a story about violence. And so, but I want to remember that point because that's going to show up again. This is going to, Lot's offer is going to, to reappear in just a few more verses in, in an unusual way. I think, again, we, we overlook. So, We've got some things to do with with the nature of the city, which I think we have to look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is this is where we get into the hairy part of the story. And I know you're stalling for time, I think. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> Well, I want to make sure I get all that because we could get lost on this. And oh, my goodness. So so again, OK, so here's a couple things. I want to just put this out there as a disclaimer because um, we, we are about to get to the part that's controversial. Um, and. We know that we're not going to make everyone happy with this. And we know that we're not going to, you know, we're not going to do a fantastic job, but we're going to do the best we can to articulate what the Bible says. But we still want to make sure that we are extending grace and not, not, not letting people allow it uh, to be a license for abuses. Right. So, and I think, I think the story as I said, it's a story about violence. And so uh, I think this is actually, if we're going to talk about the issue of homosexuality, this is the weakest uh, chapter for doing that. I think this is the weakest story for, for trying to argue against or for. Okay. I, I, I think there's better places in the Bible to form stronger arguments. Sure. Um, and, and part of that comes uh, from the fact that we, we've got Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, or Sodom specifically, referenced in a couple of different places in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And one of them is in Jeremiah. And let me just open that up here. Now, Jeremiah, that's the one that is often go, gone to to defend homosexuality. Right? That's Ezekiel. I get my verses mixed up. Yeah, I want to start with Jeremiah, and then we'll read Ezekiel. Um, Jeremiah 23, 14. But in the prophets of Jerusalem, I have seen a horrible thing. They commit adultery and walk in lies. They strengthen the hands of the evildoers so that no one turns from his evil. All of them that become like Sodom to all of them have become like Sodom to me and its inhabitants like Gomorrah. So this kind of gives us a list of things that God is comparing to the behaviors of Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm -hmm. And there there's really no specific uh, mention of homosexuality, but you got to remember there's no word for homosexuality, right? The, this word Hebrew, I mean, we're still in Hebrew and it doesn't come into existence in the Greek until much, much later. Right. So you can't have a single word uh, really sum up this act. Okay. So that's kind of a hard thing to, um, to say it's not there or to even say it is there because you're going to have to go through context. Right. 
And in Ezekiel, and this is Ezekiel 16, 48. As I live, declares the Lord God, your sister Sodom and her daughters have not done as you and your daughters have as you and your daughters have done. Behold, this is the guilt of your sister Sodom, and her daughters had pride, excess of food, and prosperous ease, but they did not aid the poor and the needy. Now, if you're using this verse to support homosexuality and saying that the sin of Sodom had nothing to do with homosexuality, you stop right there. Sure. And I, I've heard that many times. If we continue reading, which we should always do, verse 50 says, they were haughty and they did an abomination before me, so I removed them. Mm-hmm. Now, this word abomination, this is when things get really interesting, because I actually went through, I sat down with the, the Hebrew word for abomination. There's a couple of different ones, but this specific Hebrew word that's applied to Sodom, and it's almost always has to do with um, either cultic observances. And when Mm -hmm. I say cultic, I'm not talking about a cult. I'm talking about the way and manner in which we practice a religion. Right. So. So now, and something else we should make clear is the abomination is the act, mm -hmm. not the person. Yes. Yes. And and that's a good distinction that, that often gets missed. And so it's used in cultic observances. And it's used with uh, sexual sin. Mm -hmm. Those are the only two times that you're really going to find those. And if you look at this word when it's translated, remember, uh, the Hebrew would not have been the Bible that Paul read. Right. It would have been uh, Septuagint. Yeah. And when you look at Paul's writing, whenever he uses the same word, this is whenever we get into list of sins, idolaters, fornicators, Lying tongues, all of these things, this is when it, when it gets in there and it includes them as an abomination or an abomination is occurring. So it is this very much this idea that it's not, the, the word abomination is not describing the previous acts listed, it's describing something distinct. Mm-hmm. So now, whether that is the cultic observances, observances or a sexual act. That's the question. That's kind of left up for the reader's imagination. Right. Now, good. Now, a quick, a quick thing. Now, I, I, I'm curious about a couple things here. Mm-hmm. Now, one I'm going to point out, like we talked about this the other day in, in prep for the show, because we were talking about how we don't want to cover this. This is not, this is not something for us that's a huge mm-hmm. issue. Right. Um, but societally, people want to know what Christians think, mm-hmm. and but so the other day uh you were talking we were talking about um the the rabbinic idea that because the word the is this where you're getting ready to go uh was was uh they said that god says i will cut them off from the yeah. people it doesn't say for us to do it right so so anyone who's going to use that passage of god saying that he will cut them off from the people as an excuse to abuse or, or even be unkind or rude to someone mm-hmm. because of any type of sin, right? It, they're in error. And one of the things I want to I want to point out. So here's the thing: the Bible does say, as far as we can tell, and and you said this the other day, we're open to scholastic information mm-hmm. that that can refute this because we don't really want the Bible to say this. 
Right. Uh, I mean, we're comfortable with it. Our lives would be easier if it did not say this. Right. But there's lots of things I wish the Bible didn't say. Right. So, but that being said, um, you know, we shouldn't use this as any, any reason to, to, to be rude, unkind, mistreat anyone, deny them rights or whatever. But, you know, and so I would say, you know, as far as practice, err on the side of kindness. Right. Because you obviously have not been given specific license to do anything about it. Um, God says he's going to take care of that. Mm -hmm. So um, now I do have a question here. And this was this is one I I meant to ask you the other day and I forgot. So I'm going to put you on the spot is do we do you think either the word abomination is not the best translation or do we have a bad idea of of what abomination actually is based on more of the uh you know medieval kind uh, of the baggage spanish inquisition it. type of practice yeah that's a really so good question that's something i've kind of wondered because you know cuz we do have specific sins that god says people should be stoned for mm-hmm. and on this one he's saying i'll take care of it don't Right. Don't well, get involved. And that's, oh, I see, because the, the law is in Leviticus uh, 18.22, and you know, it's God. It just says, uh, uh, the verse is really short, you shall not lie with a male as, you, as with a woman, and it's an abomination. And so, uh, and it goes through a whole list of things that it considers to be an abomination. And I'm looking to see... Um, see that verse in here for everyone who does any of these abominations, the persons who do them shall be cut off from among the people. So keep my charge, never practice any of these abomination and cast abominable customs that were practiced before you and never make yourselves unclean by them. I am the Lord, your God. And then he talks about how he is holy and how he is different. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's the thing that I think it comes down to with with Judaism and why this is included in that list is because it really is about being different from the mm-hmm. other nations. It is about, uh, if you notice, the laws in Torah are very much a division between life and death, or those things that produce life and those things that do not pr- produce life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that's where it comes down and, and why it comes down to that with the Torah. And I, I do want to put out this other verse because. Because of the verse in Ezekiel, where people stop reading it, they do say that the sin of Sodom had nothing to do with sex. And I know a lot of Christians who believe that. And I, I have to um, go back to Jude. And this, Jude's one chapter. So when you refer to Jude, bah, when you refer to Jude, you only say the verse number. And this is verse number seven. And it says, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality, and pursued a natural desire, serve as an example by undergoing the punishments of eternal fire. So Jude's very clear. This is part of what the New Testament interprets with the Old Testament. So we, we have to, it works together. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. Ezekiel, what it shows us is the idea that being unfair to the needy and not taking care of those in need or not providing food when you have abundance, that's just as bad. Right. So it's not that one sin's greater than the other. It, it's they, they both together is what condemned Sodom. Right. So. And so, so yeah. And, and I actually, and, and Joe on Drinking a Bible Study, also on Commentarians, check that out at Raven Creek SC. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but 
one of the things that Joe said, and I thought this was pretty well articulated, uh, you know, he's, he straight up says, you know, he, he has just ached over the fact that the, the Bible categorizes this as sin. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I agree with you. I don't, you know, there are lots of things in the Bible that, and I agree with Joe that, that we wish weren't sinful. Um, but if you start throwing out that, where do you get to stop throwing out things? When, when do you get to start throwing out, love your neighbor? Yeah. Um, I thought that was so well put. And, um, that, that was Joe's, uh, thought on that. I don't know if it originated with him, but I thought he articulated it very well. And, and I think that's kind of where we have to be. And again, love your neighbor. Mm-hmm. You know, don't be rude to them because their sexual orientation is different. And, and show, think... show them grace. And, 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 you know, and I would say this to, to both sides of the argument, be the person, you know, as Jesus said, do unto others as you would have them do the golden, golden rule and, and be the person you want to represent to, to people. You know, if you're outside the church and you want church people to believe that People outside the church are just as good. Live a life that's just as good. If you are in the church and you want outsiders to believe that church people are good, live a life that is good. And so that's where I am. You know, don't use it to discriminate. Treat people fairly, lovingly in all things. Well, and, and don't, I, I think we need to be careful not to put sin on a hierarchy. And right. don't think that just because this isn't your particular sin that somehow you're better than somebody else. And that's, that's one of my pet peeves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm just as guilty of sin that's damning uh, as anybody else out there. Uh, it just happens that the things I do are more socially acceptable a lot of times. Yeah. And so. And, and we hope this, and we hope this doesn't, you know, push any of our friends away because I feel like sometimes when, whenever you take a position like that, you know, it's, it's like you, you, ter- you were talking about you teach Bible mm-hmm. and you tell people you teach Bible and they treat you a certain way. And so, you know, wherever we take a strong, and this is even a, like a super strong stand. This is like, here's what the Bible says uh, right. kind of uh, side of this. I feel like, um, I feel like they have kind of that same treatment. Um, it's kind of like when someone finds out that a friend of yours quit drinking. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like John Mulaney has a great spot in his routine where he talks about he doesn't drink and it's like, it's like people are really weird at parties when they find out you quit drinking. They're like, well, we have, uh, <laughs> he's like, we have some expired milk, <laughs> some water, um, yeah, laundry sheets, you know? <laughs> well, <laughs> like, and, it's... and so, you know, it's like, we don't expect, like, in society, we don't expect any, spe- and this is speaking for me and Emily, we don't expect any kind of special treatment because what we think is something. You know, I've, I have friends who have had affairs. Mm-hmm. I think that's just as sinful as anything else you can if think of. If not more so. If not more so. And, and it's like, yeah, are we disappointed you had an affair? Yeah, but I'm not going to treat you like you're a second-class human being. Well, and, and let's just face it. I mean, if you're friends with somebody, it's probably because you got more in common than what you're doing in the bedroom. Right. And yeah. So hopefully you can talk about other things anyway. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I, I, I think we kind of covered that one as well as we can. Um, yeah. And like I said, there's, there's really no good way. And I, I don't expect everyone to be happy with what we said. Um, and, I, and I don't, I, I'm not hoping anyone's unhappy yeah. with what we said. I'm not going out trying to cause controversy. I, you know me. I hate controversy for controversy's sake. He's always getting on to me. Um, yeah. Um, but, 
you know, I think, but I, I do think, like you said, if, if we don't state our opinion on it, then. I don't want to misrepresent God. Yeah. That's what it comes down to for me. I, I didn't feel like we could present this topic without saying, okay, here's what we believe the Bible says. If we're wrong, and I would, like we've said before, I would love to be wrong, but somebody needs to give me proof from the text mm-hmm. because this is what religious texts do. They realign our lives to, to bring us into a relationship with the God of that text. Uh-huh. And so if the, if the text is simply confirming where we are, and I don't care where, what realm or aspect of your life we're talking, if it's just confirming, hey, you're okay, then you don't need the text. Sure. And it's only when the text says, hey, we, you as a human being need to change. And, and change isn't bad. Change is growth. Right. And you need to change so that you can be in this relationship, or there's a God who's going to empower you to change so you can be in this relationship. Mm-hmm. Now it's a useful text. It's not something that, that has no power or no meaning aside from a, a fairy tale or any mm-hmm. other mythology. And so, you know, if you can come and tell me, hey, here's where the text says that you and Nathan are wrong, and we will read it, we will study it, and we will, we will actually look at it objectively, and if we can be convinced, then our life's easier. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so... Yeah, that's, that's ultimately what it comes down to. At least, it, as far as engaging people outside the church, it becomes easier. Mm-hmm. Now, peop- I don't know what's going to make engaging people inside the church easier, but that's another topic for another day. Let's not go there. Talk about controversy for love everyone. Yeah. Um, so okay, so <laughs> so that being said, hey, let's move on to more interesting things. So yeah, so they they flee the city. Lot, his wife. Oh, oh I think it's very interesting. By the way, uh, Lot actually goes to his son-in-laws and says, "Hey, where?" Because he has some daughters who are married. Says this is going to happen, and they thought he was joking. Right. And they they made fun of him, and so he had to leave some daughters behind. He, with their husbands, he hmm. takes, yeah, we don't think about that. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. yeah. So I, I thought that was an interesting point. Um, you know, sometimes when you choose to follow God, you leave people in your family behind. Right. And that, that's a hard thing. He takes his wife, two, his two other daughters, and they flee. Now, we all know the story. Lot's wife turns back and she becomes a pillar of salt. And that's where the flannel graph runs out. <laughs> yes, we never go into the next part of the story. Um, because I, now salt is, it has something to do with purification. It, it, it's a type of money. It, it, um, it's very symbolic in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus talks about being the salt of the earth and a good, a good thing. I don't think he meant as an extreme version of becoming like Lot's wife, but, you know, metaphorically. And there's actually stories that... <laughs> Sorry, I, I, this is so bad. I, I, I shouldn't even, I, well, it's not terrible. It's just, it's totally random. I was thinking about how salt dries your skin. I'm like, that would be so itchy. So um, go ahead. Yeah, but there's actually stories uh, out there that Lot's wife was still, um, could still be seen, like up until the time of Josephus. And so now whether or not those are true, we, we, we have no idea. I, I don't think there's any way we're going to confirm that the salt was once a human being. Sure. But so after you mean you mean there's not there's not a pillar of salt in the Middle East that you can go to and chip a piece off of and it bleeds. I, I, if there is, I haven't heard of it. You hadn't heard of that? No. There, that was like when it you know growing up back in the church days. There, you know, you 
you know, it's back before the internet and camera phones and things could easily be confirmed or denied. Ozzy bit the head off a bat. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. So there's, yeah, band mythologies. That's a whole nother topic for another show. But yeah, but, but yeah, that was one of the things like someone believed that, oh, you know, some kind of like, yeah, I, I we rem- found the pillar of salt and we, we, we chipped it and it bled. And I'm like, mm, that's weird. I feel like, I feel like more people would be taking video of that, um, you know, to prove the Bible if that was the case. So now I did hear ahead. that there was one that like, if you chipped it off, it grew back, which I mean, well, that's how salt well, formation works. I knew, work. yeah. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> but yeah, that one kind of lost its awe as soon as we made that first experiment in homeschooling, yeah. you know, so but um, so science, the science. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> so a lot in his daughters take off. Uh, they they think that when Sodom is destroyed, that like every town in all the earth has been destroyed. Mm-hmm. They really believe that they are the last people left, and that it it's going to be up to them to repopulate the earth but we have a problem. We have a dad and two daughters. Not the ideal situation for repopulating the earth. Right. So the oldest daughter comes up with this really great idea. Air quotes that... Great, <laughs> quote unquote. Idea. Not actually great. <laughs> yeah. So. That she's going to get her dad drunk and then she's going to go in and sleep with him and get pregnant. And then the next night they're going to get him drunk again and the younger daughter's going to go in and do the same thing. and. Now, the Bible's very specific that Lot is drunk both times, which I think is kind of interesting if you know anything about alcohol and the male anatomy. Uh, but he gets drunk, and the uh, the reason why it's specific is that it's not his idea. The, sure. the, they want to to really make it clear that Lot would have never willingly engaged in this behavior. And I think it's very interesting because Lot is not somebody who's presented favorably. And yet there's this, this... He won't even do that. Like, he'll do a lot of bad things, but not even Lot would do yeah, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, and, and so the idea that, the, that the, the writer is actually trying to protect Lot right here is, is interesting to me because it, it, it's so out of, keep, out of character with the way he's been presented up to this point. Sure. But, but think about what's going on here. We have a name for what happened here. I mean, aside from, obviously, the incest side of things, if we did this in today's culture, get somebody drunk and then have sex with them, yeah. it's called rape. And so Lot, who offered his daughters up to be raped, is now raped by his daughters. And there is this full reversal of the evil that Lot intended to allow to happen to them. Now, is this, is this where you're going to talk about, uh, and we can probably cover this part real quick, the chiasmic... No. Oh, is this another no, this part? Is, we haven't even got there yet. We okay, haven't so we'll, even got we'll there. start. We'll do that on the next. Yeah, we haven't even got there. But this is, I just thought this was a really good example of how in the Bible, what you do often comes back around in, in this crazy way. Mm-hmm. And what you have allowed to happen to somebody else will often be what destroys you. Right. And so Lot was going to allow his daughters to be raped, and now he's raped by his daughters. And I just... Talk about poetic justice. Right. I mean, it's horrible. It's horrifying. And again, this is where the Bible says it it records what did happen, not what should have happened. Right. And so 
but if you're going to have poetic justice, I mean, th- this is it. And I, I think that kind of puts a different spin on the story where so many people are saying this is a horrible story against women and it's all about the abuse of women. And then it turns around and the women become the abusers. Right. And I, I, I think that side needs to be brought out. And I think mm-hmm. that needs to be, be talked about. And they actually give birth to two sons, Moab and Amnon. Ammon, sorry, Ammon. And what's interesting about this, Moab's going to show back up in the story. Well, they both are, but particularly Moab, mm-hmm. uh, when we get to Ruth. And so Ruth is actually a product of this situation. And so Nathan did not drop his Bible out of surprise. But mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, so uh, Ruth actually shows how God can redeem even something this awful. Right. So. I think it's a good spot to wrap up and then we're going to get into some more fun stuff. Yep. So yeah, we're going to wrap it up there, take a little break and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening. Uh, If you like what, you know, be part of the conversation. Let us know if there's anything that we needed to cover that we didn't, Uh, you know, if you have questions about our opinions, let us know. Again, we're just speaking for the two of us and how, you know, how we think others should behave, but, (laughs) <laughs> if you really and if you really want to get into the conversation, become a, a supporter on Patreon. Yep. Become a member and we'll put you in the paddle store. Yes, the Raven Creek Paddle Store. And uh that's you know, a dollar is all it costs to get into that, but then we do that to get rid of the uh the casual trolls mm-hmm. because and and we will uh boot you if you do become a, a troll. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we uh you know, we want to make sure that everyone is is having a good time there and actually learning from the discussion. And growing, and we're not trying to belittle each other. But uh, also hit us up on Facebook, Raven Creek, uh, Raven Creek, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Raven Creek SC. Mm-hmm. Um, we can start the conversation there. We'll be glad to have it. Um, and then uh, let's see what else. Uh, yeah, patreoncom Creek SC. If you really like what you heard, uh, mm-hmm. feel free to support us there. Please write us a review on iTunes, um, and also. Um, subscribe, su- download. subscribe, download. Yes, um, you guys are what makes this work, and we appreciate everyone who's who's been a part of it. Um, we do have a couple of Patreon donors who have started helping us out, and we really, really appreciate that. Um, every every bit makes it a little easier to to keep hosting and to pay for Emily some gas money back and forth, uh, upgrading equipment, things like that that we hope to do over the next year. And if you can't support us on Patreon, and we understand that, yep. uh, just share, share, share. Uh, share, YouTube, share, share. The iTunes. Write reviews. Yeah. yeah that's, that's huge for that's, us. That's the biggest thing. And so thank you again so much for, t- for tuning in. Hopefully you'll be back next week, and we will love to continue the conversation. Thanks. Bye. You've been listening to the Faith and Other Oddities podcast, a Raven Creek Social Club production. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like what you've heard, please write us a review on iTunes or consider supporting us on patreon.com slash ravencreeksc. As always, thank you for listening and don't forget to join us next week.